da 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 You sound insane. Do you realize that? Oh, yeah. The whole world got crazy. Are Showtime. We're stepping into the MonsterVerse on this episode of Bad About Movies. We're a man down, but never fear, because Mothra Shane is here. Hey, Mothra Shane. <laughs> hey, guys, how are you? Good to be here, as always. I, I, I'm sad to report you're named after the only female kaiju in the entire film, I think. <laughs> so, that I we know. know. Compliment, or... Uh, it's definitely an insult if Richard was here. He would consider it an insult. <laughs> right. um, uh, no, good to have uh, Batman Shane, as he has been affectionately um, dubbed by the Man Fam, back on the show to pinch hit for Richard, who is not here. Uh, myself, Kent, and Brian, uh, we we don't miss. We don't we don't just go have jobs Ever. and lives or anything. You right. Know? We just right. This is the priority. Yeah. yeah. Look, there's always the star and talent, and then there's the guest stars. You know. <laughs> Exactly. So Richard is uh, off doing a thing called life uh, right now. But uh, nonetheless, uh, we do have Batman Shane here to pinch hit. And uh, yeah, we're stepping in the MonsterVerse and talking Godzilla 2, King of the Monsters. Uh, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, or Godzilla 2, however however you want to look at it. Uh, The third entry into the MonsterVerse. Cinematic universe and uh, not the last, apparently, which uh, we're definitely going to talk about that uh, later on. Exciting, exciting times uh, to come. Of course, weekly recommends at the end. I'm excited to talk about my weekly recommend. Um, I hope you guys are too. Um, some movie news, some, you know, more on the rumbling side of things. Um, don't get too excited on that. Um, I'm, I'm going to tease that, but uh, definitely have some <laughs> stuff to talk about uh, before we get into uh, Godzilla talk. But Brian, uh, I want to shout out especially to our VIPs um, who join us every week after the show at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP, in which we record another episode. And this, uh, this week we recorded an X-Men throwback uh, with uh, Geek 101's Ariel Rada. And we did the original X-Men from 2000, threw it back to that, and talked about the origins of the X-Men franchise and kind of where it's come uh, over the years. It was a really fun talk. Loved, loved it. Really nerdy conversation. So if you want to hear that uh, prior to going and seeing Dark Phoenix, uh, if you're seeing Dark Phoenix or afterwards or whatever, check it out at madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. And that, that feed helps support the show and helps maintain our show on the main feed. Uh, keeps happening. And that's what we all want to happen, right? That's so right. Uh, support us that's over right. there if, if, if you listen to us every week and that uh, everything will take care of itself. So um, let's get into some shout-outs, Brian. You want to shout-out to a few of those people before yeah. we get into movie news? Sure, sure. Let's do it. These are the names of some recently joined VIPs on, uh, on the VIP club and fan club and lounge. Tortilla and Factory. Just Tortilla open. Factory and... <laughs> donut shop in the mornings etc that we've uh, that can't just plug so big thanks to the following people to michael aguire spencer garner isis alvarez kirk grunman gus imenez jacob mattingly joseph morrison lauren park tyler smith jennifer tyndall sean blanford blake osborne lily young brian wadley and Josh Ramsey, who just joined the I, and he's going to be on our X Men episode next week. Kent, so Shouts. be on the lookout for that. 
Yeah. Big shouts to the to our eye members, especially. Yeah, they they yeah. they uh, got to be careful not to look too close. But yeah. those people, <laughs> right. special people, um, that get special perks uh, as members of the eye, and we got a lot of good stuff coming up. Is uh, our our AMA for June, our next Harry Potter and Harry Potter four and the Goblet of something. Is it that one? Yeah, Goblet yeah. of Fire. I'm right. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! Yeah, we just Goblet of Fire. Look at you. Yeah. We're making you a I Harry knew, Potter. I knew guy. I was wrong look right at- when I said the word goblet, and then I was right, <laughs> and I freaked myself out. Just, so yeah, it's perfect. We've, already, we've already gotten to you. Yeah. Three movies in, we got to you. Yeah, it's that perfect. that's going to be happening very soon there as well. Yeah. So um, the, the back tattoos are coming. Yeah, Toy Story, I believe, um, <laughs> retrospective in the coming yeah. weeks as well. Um, so good, good, good times happening over there uh, after the show. But uh, the show must go on over here, so let's move into a little bit of movie news, rumors, rumblings, guys. Let's do it. Movie news, yes. rumors, and rumblings. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. Just a few notes here. Just a few small notes. Um, let's let's talk about Netflix. Let's see what's see what's going on over at uh, over at uh, Netflix. I'm, un- I'm unfamiliar. Please enlighten yeah. me. <laughs> First of all, I, I wanted to ask you guys. Just about your watching habits and kind of what your mm. daily life is like nowadays, uh, what you're consuming, how you consume things at home in your daily life uh, when you get home. Shane, uh, you know, are you a streaming subscriber? How many of these streaming services do you have? And, and what would what would your average, I guess, day look like uh, as far as, you know, dividing your time up between them? And uh, is Netflix your go-to anymore? Because for me, Netflix... I, I watch Netflix probably less than I ever have, believe it or not. Um, the only times I really get on Netflix is when a big event series happens, and then I'll binge something really fast and then kind of put it away for a while. Um, maybe I'll catch some stand-up on there every now and then. Uh, but I, I've got a, my own home library of movies and uh, stuff like that to watch. So um, I find myself on Netflix less and less uh, these days. Um, so... I don't know if that's a, a good thing for me and a bad thing for Netflix, but I'm, I'm interested in kind of updating on y'all's watching habits and how they've changed over the past couple of years. But, uh, but Batman, Shane, what, what, what do you watch? You know, what are you watching right now? You know, the, the honest truth is I really don't watch a lot of stuff on Netflix streaming, mm-hmm. and that is not a judgment call on anything that Netflix has. It What it really boils down to is, for me, it's this kind of weird psychological effect where because it's on streaming, I just tell myself, oh, yeah, it's always going to be there. Like, I'm in no rush to get to it. So I just keep saying that about all of these different shows. And now, like, if I took a look at my, like, Netflix queue – it would be like, you know, 87 titles and series long of like, oh, yeah, I meant to get around to that, didn't I? So mm. I honestly don't watch a ton of stuff on Netflix streaming. I feel like if, if they were to break down my analytics, it would be an overwhelming amount of Frasier runs and then like percentages of everything else. <laughs> um, but my wife watches a lot of Netflix streaming stuff. She usually tries to keep up with a lot of that. Uh, stuff and so she watches a lot of it and she likes a lot of their original programming and it, I mean it really is a great service for um, consumers that you have all of these options but to a certain point though I think that's now and I'm curious to hear you guys' takes on this as well it's getting to a point I mean do you guys remember when Netflix streaming was new 
you know, Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, some of those shows were like water cooler TV, right? Where everybody was watching and everybody was talking about them. Netflix now has so many new shows and movies that how many times have you been asked like, oh, Brian, you're not, are you watching this show on Netflix? And it's like, dude, I haven't even heard of that show. Like there's just <laughs> yeah. so much stuff yeah, now. Totally. Totally. And, you, and you're, you're trying to be polite, but you're like, there's no way I'm getting around to the show because I, just, I haven't even heard of it now. So yeah. I don't watch a ton of stuff because I feel like if I did, I would dive in so deep that I'd never I'd never leave my couch. But how do you guys manage kind of what feels like the endless sea of shows that are on there now? How do you pick and choose? No, it, that's how I feel, too. I mean, there's so many times and especially because of our our Twitter presence and our email, you know, all that sort of stuff. we get constantly emails and tweets of like, Hey, have you guys seen? And I, I mean, literally that is my, oh, that is always my response. It's just like, I, I don't even know what that is. I've never even heard of that. So it's, it's slowed down a little bit over the last year because two reasons. I think number one, I think more and more people are recognizing that, that there are just so many dadgum things that are on this one streaming service, let alone the 500 other streaming services that we all have to, to deal with that um, that's just like, I'm not even going to bother recommending this to these guys because they're either going to watch it or they're not. And it's not going to matter. You know, they, they, they have seen it or they won't see it. You know, it's like, it's hard to sell people on it at this point. Because right. Just so right. Many things. But the other thing is too, by design, I think Netflix has begun pushing their movies more than their uh than their shows and i don't know if that will swing back the other direction or if there's kind of a lull in their high quality tv programming at the moment or what or or if it's just build the brand of being a a purveyor of movies but with stuff like uh what was the what was the sandra bullock one the bird Bird box um, yeah bird box and triple frontier earlier this year and right now like always be my maybe and they've they've really camped out in the the romantic comedy realm which is great because that's filling a, a gap that truly is not being touched by the acne the traditional movie theater um distribution and experience stuff like that so like that is much i'm much more likely to hear that at this point from friends and some listeners of like hey have you watched bird box like 400 million people told me i had to watch bird box before i watched it you know and that still happens but the series thing like to kind of tie it back to your your original question like i watch i use netflix personally for the movies that are coming around and I do the same thing as you do Shane. Like I just add it to my queue and I'm like, someday I'll get to this, you know? And occasionally I'll really make a point of it, um, because it has some extra cultural, uh, viability or it's, it's being discussed and, and bandied about in, in the, the cultural zeitgeist or whatever, or it's, you know, it's something that really jumps out to me as, Oh, there's an actor or an actress that I really love, or that's a director that I'm very interested in or whatever. Um, I use it for that to watch the movies that that Netflix is providing, uh, the the originals or the ones that they've bought from circuit from the festival circuit that type of thing, and I use it to rewatch The Office and Parks and Recreation and Frasier and Friends <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Agents of Shield and stuff like that. I don't. That's all that it really is to me, and that's fine because it's like eleven bucks a month, and that that perfectly fits the bill of what I'm looking for for eleven bucks a month. When some of those, we always, I mean, it feels like 
once a month these stories start circulating of like Netflix is going to lose the rights to the office next month, you know, and that's constantly happening when that actually happens, when NBC decides we're going to move this all to our own standalone streaming service, which I know is, is in the works, then maybe that, that changes things. And Netflix is very smart to have figured out. I think a long, they've always been kind of ahead of the curve on understanding eventually that is going to happen. So we need to have our own, in-house stuff that people will want to stick around and watch and and keep the price point low enough to where you don't really notice it on your bill and that's yeah they've so far they've done that very well for me too and then i'll hand it back to you can't like it's it's invaluable from a parenting standpoint as well because there's a lot oh yeah i could imagine netflix crushes everyone else on kids programming at this point crush it's not even close hulu sucks amazon prime sucks um the Disney Now app, which I've ranted about in the past, is like it's a, just a very bad app. Um, so there, I mean, there there's plenty of shows that Coop likes to watch that are on Disney Now, but it's a it's just not a very good app. When Disney Plus comes out, that may change, but there are a wide range of kids programming choices, movies and TV shows, and a lot of them annoy the crap out of me, but they're fine and they're you know they can keep my child entertained when I need to have him entertained and it's fine as as background stuff we're we're pretty strict on like screen time and stuff like that but it is so easy in a pinch to be like hey man i need i really need 30 minutes here can you find something on netflix yep absolutely and without netflix i don't know what that would look like because it's like i said the rest of the of the services are just garbage comparatively do you kent kent and brian do either of you guys uh still get the discs on netflix no, they still have that year. They do. And I yeah. got to tell you, I, I'm the guy that I use a ton of. The, now, that's where I get my money on Netflix is I rent a lot of the discs because I get, you know, basically the Netflix DVD discs now uh, still they basically have replaced Blockbuster in the sense that you can go and you can get a copy of all of the new release movies when they hit DVD. So if it's a movie that you wanted to see in theaters and you missed it, like I'll give you a good example. There was a movie that came out earlier this year called Greta that had Chloe Grace Moretz and Mm -hmm. Isabella Hubert in it. My wife wanted to go see that, but we just weren't able to get out to the theater. So once that movie hits VOD, it's not like it's available to stream anywhere per a service. You have to pay money to rent it in iTunes or Amazon, right, or whatever. Now, maybe eight or nine months from now, it'll be on one of those streaming services for free. But mm-hmm. I still pay for the Netflix DVD so that basically anytime a new release hits disc, I can just get it shipped to my house. So sure. I do still – I'll be like the last DVD subscriber, <laughs> no yeah. matter how many people make fun of me or call me old. <laughs> but I'll be that guy that still has the, the DVD sent to his house. Yeah. Um, our, so. our friend Brian Simpson, one of, one of my buddies who uh, is a big listener, he, he's the same way. He's, he's the only other person I know besides you, Shane, that still gets the – Still gets the DVDs, and he's he's the same way. He's like, nope, I'm gonna keep. I'm totally I'm gonna, gonna keep do grinding that now. this out. <laughs> I'm gonna cancel my streaming and and just do the DVDs. That's awesome. I didn't know they still did that. I thought they discontinued that service. Uh, no, they do, I, dude. And they have, yeah. and they get every single movie that comes out on DVD, and they get it. They the get it like immediately. Yeah, yeah. They get it. The I'm just day gonna that build up. A, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do what you did. I'm gonna build up a queue of just new new movies that I want to watch on my at home, you know, and just. It'll auto send them to me, you know. Uh, that sounds yeah. like a great idea. 
But absolutely, um, and they've got you know they've got you know tons of classics as well, right? Like yeah. it's hard to find like Akira Kurosawa films on a streaming service, yeah. but Netflix DVD has all of them. Oh, so they, have, it's just, they have everything on DVD. I remember, uh, you know, before they were really into the instant streaming stuff. Um, yeah, this will throw back. I mean, it's got to be ten years ago at this point. Uh, right when they started, Watch Instantly is what it was called on Netflix, and it was an actual disc you had to put in your PlayStation yeah, to make it play. Yeah. Uh, it was like oh, a wow. like a CD ROM basically. <laughs> yeah, to launch the app to watch. <laughs> I forgot about stuff. that. Yeah. Do you remember when they there was a brief minute there where they were going to split the services, and I think they were going to call the disc Quickster. It was called, and then everybody Qu- Quickster. Panicked. Yeah, Quickster was the disc company, and then like. Everybody like the stock price had plummeted, and then they just they dropped the idea like a week later or something like that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. K W I K was that Quickster K W I K S T E or something like that. Yeah, and I remember it. Was, I remember it because like uh, like at Quickster on Twitter was some like <laughs> some like. A pothead kid or something. <laughs> he had some like incredible <laughs> tweets that people just started retweeting uh, right after they announced it. But uh, but yeah, wow. I I to to your point, Brian. My destination for Netflix these days is with original programming. Um, I rarely use it to go watch mm-hmm. old sitcoms or stuff. Most of those I've got box sets of already. Um, The Office, Seinfeld, Friends, those types of shows. Um, I I honestly have kept it around for the original programming. You know, as soon as I want to cancel it or or move on, I go and look at there. I'm like, oh, well, two weeks from now is the new season of, you know, Comedians in Cars. You know, that's one of my favorite things. And then, uh, well, I guess the next thing for me is Stranger Things 3 is coming out in like the 4th of July weekend. So I'm keeping it until then at least, you know. So there are certain things that – that have kept me on board, but you know, they're releasing what 60 or 65 original series or movies this month, I think. So, um, Mm -hmm. incredible the amount of output that they have, but you know, they have no choice at this point, but to do that. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. We've talked about it in the past and I'm not going to bog it down here. I want to, I want to talk about some Netflix, uh, news, which is why I'm, uh, I wanted, wanted your thoughts on Netflix and kind of their, their current state of things. But, you know, Apple's launching their service, Disney Plus. So, um, you know, this fall. So the competition's only going to get stiffer for, for Netflix, you know, um, in terms of market share. There's going to be more competition for them. But uh, they're going to really have to have some stellar output this year if they want to stay aboard. And they've got the Martin Scorsese movie. They've got some big, big time projects coming out this fall that I think will help them. But uh, it's going to be, it's going, it's only going to get tougher from from their perspective to get keep people convinced to to stay subscribed. But um, yeah, Netflix and chill has not been a thing in a while. You're right. There, there haven't been a lot of water cooler shows. You know, Game of Thrones, um, Westworld, those types of shows were all all HBO or, or network TV or, or the shows everyone's kind of been talking about for the past six months to a year. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of, sure. uh, so I guess the news I want to announce is, um, they've, they've announced a, an animated series of a property that a lot of people have been kind of anticipating for a long time would finally, uh, get an adaptation. And it's an animated adaptation 
brought to us by the um, the producers and directors of Endgame, Avengers Endgame, the Russo brothers, and they're doing a Magic the Gathering animated series for Netflix. I wanted to get y'all's mm-hmm. thoughts on on that. Um, are y'all into magic? Is this something that uh, maybe you'd want to see? I know there's certainly an audience for this uh, somewhere because magic is a big... I have friends that, that are really into magic, so uh, I know it's a big thing. But um, but yeah, that's that's kind of a big announcement coming out of Netflix. Yeah, today. and, and the Russos are doing it, right? Yeah, They're producing yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's cool. That has me enthused. I was never a magic guy because um, I talked to girls, you know? I was <laughs> just, exactly. Just kidding. Um, no, I, but that was, that was a thing that I was aware of that sort of existed post, <laughs> post Pogs, pre Pokemon. There's like this little gap where people were, uh, uh, the sweet pocket of 1998. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think magic actually started like in 1995, but I don't remember. I don't, seeing I don't it know what until... post Pogs. I don't understand what you mean. Post-pogs. Is that bring back still... Pogs, man? I'm, what do you I'm mean all bring in back on, Pogs, on, uh... on the, the comeback trail for, for Pogs. They have, they have a Pog. I was at target today and I saw in the uh, wasn't like the toy section. It was like the you know, like the DVDs that turn into like uh, Funko Pops and that's that section back there. They they're they're marketing essentially Pogs, but not under the Pogs name. It's like Cappers or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, "You're bringing wow, back Pogs. Yes, right. You better put the name on it." You surely the, uh, the Pog brand yeah. can't be that expensive. Oh, to yeah, we could. Totally, Someone still has the rights. We to could the throw Pog. our money should, together and, and we should buy that. Mam fam. Oh, Brian, buy Brian, brand. I'll be kind of honest. I'm surprised that the Pogs were not sandwiched between like the dentures and the Bengay. Like, <laughs> <and, laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Man, I would be all in for a Pog. A pog renaissance. There's a lot, a large uh, audience of people that have no idea what pogs yeah, are. Yeah, go that, Google pogs, yeah. P O G S, and uh, and then tweet us pictures of your of <laughs> yeah. your best slammer. Yeah. yeah, if you have a cool slammer still, if you can find your old <laughs> pogs, we want. I want to see pictures of your pogs. I think I have one tube of pogs somewhere in the attic, <laughs> and like a you know a box of, of a tube of pogs. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sick Pogs tube. were so dope for about six months. Gosh, and like talk kids how to and then gamble. Beanie Babies that came was out, awesome. and they were the coolest Freaking thing. Beanie Babies, yeah. get out of here with your Beanie Babies. Um, yeah, Pogs were Pogs were dope. Um, big fan. I'm totally off track. Uh, magic, yeah. Like I never was into Magic. I knew a few people who were in middle school and or high school, um, but it was never it was never of of great interest to me. At some point. I acquired a large collection of, of magic cards. I don't know, via eBay or Craigslist or something like maybe a garage sale or something just was like, Oh, these were. And I was like, I can't figure this game out. I don't, I don't understand. Grandma like give them to you. All the kids are playing this <laughs> yeah, game yeah, at exactly. Target. Exactly. So I think I just gave them away eventually. But, uh, but I think it, it, what more than anything else, I was interested in the Russo's name. That's cool. I like that. I like when, uh, big name, producers and filmmakers and stuff produce stuff like that. I think it's smart to get into that game and, and, and good for them. Um, I'm more than anything. I was like, I can't believe that that hasn't been done to this point with, with everything from the eighties and nineties having been pilfered for movie and or, or TV rights, except for pogs. It's amazing to me that the magic, the gathering hasn't, hasn't been done to this point. Pogs, the movie needs to happen. I'm in. Can, I'm in. Oh, dude, I've, I've got a screenplay ready yeah. to go. Yeah, I was going to say, it would not take much. 
it's a it's a stack of screenplays, and then I'm just gonna knock it over with my slam. Yeah, I've got Beanie Babies no. a movie happening too. So anthropomorphic yeah, I mean, Beanie Babies. It's way better than Ugly Dolls. Bullcrap. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, I I will say like I, look, the Russos are so hot right now that anything they want to do, anybody's gonna put money on them. But honestly, I am surprised to see Magic the Gathering get such big name talent and get kind of of a green light. I mean, it just kind of feels to me that Magic the Gathering is in that same kind of category of uh, like World of Warcraft, even though one's a card game, one's a video game. But it just kind of feels like in your head, there should be a good version of this. And then the final product usually always ends up letting you down. Sure. Sure. So I just don't know. You would hope that Netflix would invest some serious money into this. uh, And I'm sure they will. But, you know. 18 months from now or two years from now when it comes out, are we all going to be sitting around going, well, this is all right. This is like a B minus at best, you know? And if that's the case, was it even worth it? Yeah. But I, I to be cer- fair, I was certainly I was, a, uh, uh, an audience. I think that it, it, I think if it services that audience, I think Netflix will be happy, you know, because oh, there, sure. nobody is gonna, is gonna understand what they're trying to do except for that audience, you know, critics included. And and I don't think they they can claim to unless unless they really are in a Magic the Gathering, which they might be. And then I, I want like I I will have no right to judge this show, <laughs> you know, and I'll fully admit that sure. off the top. So sure. um, well, I don't know if I'll watch it. Not the worst idea. I mean, just yeah, from no, a, not at all. From a fantasy standpoint, fantasy is is cool right now or hot or whatever, and <laughs> that's. I don't want to say fantasy is hot. I tried every which way I could. Right <laughs> Not saying fantasy is hot, uh, but that I'm, genre. I'm saying it is. It is. It is really hot. <laughs> it's it's so hot right now. Hot. It's like Hansel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but that's a you know that genre is a big player right now, and so I there's a lot of in in a post Game of Thrones world. I think you will see more of. There's probably a lot of properties book properties, but also now, I guess, uh, game properties that will be looked at, um, for, for series and or, or movie rights that, uh, that could be a big factor. And, and just, it may end up being one of these, it may be, end up being a shotgun approach where you just shoot out as many fantasy TV series and or and movies as you can and, and see which ones stick. But you're right. Like, I hope that it's, if nothing else, I ho- I just hope it doesn't turn out to be like a World of Warcraft movie, the uh, the yeah. Duncan Jones thing <laughs> that actually turned out to be a, a harbinger of, of oh he's just not good at making movies. That's all. <laughs> two good ones, and then he completely crapped the bed. So. I'd say it's a good thing to figure that out sooner rather than later, so we don't waste our time. Um, also, uh, speaking of Netflix, and the last thing before we uh, we'll talk Godzilla here in a second. Is the Dark Crystal movie series or something oh, is yeah. coming? There? Series. Did you see this? Yeah, it's a series. Series. Yeah. Okay. November, I think. It's going to be multiple August. seasons? August. Yeah. I think so. I mean, I, I don't know that they've announced mm-hmm. extra seasons, but it would be it would be interesting or maybe just bad for Netflix to greenlight one season of that without a real plan to do a second or third, unless it just turns out to be terrible or something. That's That's the type of thing that has to... I would assume you kind of have to have in the back of your head, this is going to, we're going to give this three seasons because it's going to take a while to, to unfold and and develop this whole world and stuff. 
Did you guys yeah. watch Dark? I know you are younger than me. Did y'all watch Dark Crystal growing up? No, I didn't. I mean, I, I'm aware of what it is, but I've never seen it. I have, you know, I have no nostalgia for it. Gotcha. I yeah. love the Dark Crystal. I was that all came thi- a- into all things uh, Jim Henson production. Yeah. So, yeah. Sure. But, I mean, look, here's the deal. In a world where all of these properties are getting rebooted, I like. I think it's a great thing because there are definitely people who are diehard Dark Crystal fans. And they deserve to get their reboot just as well as, you know, diehard whatever, like Sonic the Hedgehog fans or, you know, people who are fans of Magic the Gathering. Like, it's cool that all these properties are finally getting, like, big budget treatment because you know there's a core group of people who are just foaming at the mouth, excited for this, and good for them. I hope I hope it, we all want everything to be good. No one likes it when a property is terrible, um, you know, so I hope it turns out. But no, I just I just don't know enough about Dark Crystal to uh, to get excited about it. Mm. That was, it was one Jim that, Henson, right? Yeah, it is Jim Henson. It came out in '82, so it's. It, I mean, it's older than I am. That's that's one of the ones that shocks me now, looking back on, because I watched that a ton as a kid and I loved it. And it's weird to me now that a that I wasn't creeped out by it, and and more so even that that my parents let me watch it because I, you know, I grew up in a pretty a relatively strict conservative household. And that seems like something I would never let my six year old watch the dark crystal right now. Like we're at least two years away from that, I think, cause he'll just be terrified by it. Um, but it didn't for all the things that do creep me out and did creep me out when I was that age. Uh, I loved the dark crystal and it never was one that, that bothered me. And I, I'm pumped for this, man. I think it's a cool, I think it's a cool universe to explore. It may be a total, total misfire but it it seems like when this was announced last year the year before i was like that sounds like a really smart idea if they can if they can get it right it's not one that jumps out as like man gotta remake and or expand upon the dark crystal you know that's not that's not at the top of my list uh in 2017 or something but when it was announced i was like that actually sounds Mm -hmm. like it could be really cool i agree hopefully it will be but with louis letty at the helm it's not likely. <laughs> a lot of yeah. shaky cam. A lot, a lot of, of spinning shots. cam. Yeah. <laughs> and it turns out that uh, David Bowie was behind it the entire time. He was, no, I don't know. David Bowie's not involved. <laughs> but it's physically impossible. Um, okay. Let's uh, move on, guys, and uh, get ready and talk about Godzilla. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. Uh huh. Yeah. We're talking uh, King of the Monsters here, and um, it's no secret that uh, if you've listened to the show before, um, we were fans of the first. Godzilla, the, the um, not the 1998 one, um, but the 2014 one that uh, that came out during the uh, tenure of this podcast, the duration of the, this um, this show. Uh, we did a review on that, so if you want our full thoughts on Godzilla 2014, it's available on our website, I believe. I don't think it's on the iTunes feed, anything like that anymore. So speak for yourself, bro. 98 was a masterpiece. <laughs> 
of it's a piece of something. Uh, I don't know about <laughs> masterpiece. Um, it's uh, I definitely remember that that one coming out. I'm being very excited for that one, but uh, you know what? Yeah, I still rock the soundtrack. Still got that uh, that CD rocking, compact disc rocking. Um, <laughs> the the thing about uh, Godzilla is. It's such a guilty pleasure for me, man. I, I, I just want I want to suspend my disbelief uh, so much with these movies, with King Kong, with Godzilla, with with any kind of monster attacking a city kind of scenario that I have such a soft spot for that. I don't know why, but I do. Um, it probably goes back to seeing Jurassic Park when I was younger and the larger than life element of dinosaurs and creatures. Uh, in movies has always intrigued me. Um, I thought Godzilla 2014 did it just about as good as you can do it um, mm. in, in a, on the big screen without overdoing it. Um, this one leaned much more towards the overdoing it than it did the um, taking it easy uh, aspect of things. Like uh, get with when Gareth, when Gareth Edwards was, uh, was directing these, but um Nonetheless, man, I, I, I love love me some Godzilla. I love a, dis- a good disaster movie. I love kaiju. I love monsters. Um, I love destruction for the most part. Um, and so when I saw the reviews for this, I was really, really disappointed. Um, mm-hmm. And because I have high hopes for these, I want I want these to be successful. I want these to make money. I want there to be. A movie. I want there to be one of these every year. I want there to be Mothra returns, and now he's got robotic arms, and he's facing off against Pacific Rim, against Godzilla. You know, I want all that in one. I want all these movies. Um, so I saw the reviews, and and the reviews were saying, you know, it, uh, it it's uh, if you're looking for action, it'll it'll satisfy your urge, but it's definitely short on the human drama. I was like, well. What Godzilla movie isn't short on the human drama? Like what? What movie were we? Godzilla movie? Did we see that we were all like, you know what? The Godzilla stuff was great, but what I really loved was the main storyline between the father and son, and that's what really hammered it. No, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think that's totally beside the point of why you would go to watch these movies. Um, if anything, I think this movie tried a little bit too hard for some of the human element stuff, um, the family stuff. Um, it probably should have been just more of, oh, Project Monarch is losing control of their containment center for all these things, and Godzilla has to come out and save the day. Should have been more along the lines of that instead of uh, the family drama stuff, which was my main complaint, I believe, with 2014. But... Um, for the most part, man, I had a freaking blast with this. I love all these creatures. I love Godzilla. And um, it's going to be hard for me not to recommend this based on, like, if you want to see Godzilla on a big screen and that's really all you care about seeing, then I think this is going to be fine. But if you're looking for, uh, you know, Vera Farmiga and uh, <laughs> Kyle Chandler to have a great on-screen relationship, then you're not going to find that. But I don't know anyone that was going into that. But if you you know if you want to see some overacting from Billy Bobby Brown, then you're in luck because there's plenty 
to go around for everybody. Um, but for the freaking Godzilla stuff, man, I was, I was fine with it. And we'll talk about specifics, but like I said, that's, that's all I really want from these. And, uh, these are total guilty pleasure for me again. So I'm totally guilty of that. If you guys hated these and it was unbearable, totally get it. But for me, um, I'll probably watch this one 10 more times just because I, (laughs) they're so, they're such dumb popcorn movies. It's the oldest old school cinema to me. The King Kong Godzilla movie type movie, and uh, this is just celebrating that. That um, this throwing it back to that, if that makes sense. So, hmm. Brian, I know you liked 2014. What was your yeah. anticipation coming into this, and and all that? I know you were hoping this one would do well for other reasons. Yeah, You're I was facing off against. Uh, yeah, us, totally. But. My stupid movie draft is going poorly, but um, <laughs> I. I was very excited for this. I loved that 2014 movie, and I wasn't a big Godzilla monster, giant monster guy, or, or disaster movie. Like that wasn't something I did. I very distinctly remember being like, "I'll go see this Godzilla movie because it had a great. Tra- it had a great trailer, and it's a summer movie, and we see movies for a semi quasi partial supplement of a living." And um, and I was just, I loved it. I think it was in my. It was either in my top ten of that year or very close to the top ten. I just I thought it was such a great movie, and uh, I loved the. You're right, Ken. Like I don't go to see a Godzilla movie for the human element of things, and I'm, we're going to get into that a lot, I'm sure, with with this one. But that is one of the things I think makes Godzilla the the 2014 one work so well. Is is Gareth Edwards had some has that sort of indie movie director sensibilities that he brought to that movie to that script and it was it did a really good job of developing some human um some human relationships and giving those those characters something some value to the story without having to really dig into their background it's it's very it's pretty simple setup and we just go with it, and now the the monsters are here, and that's that's really what you're here to see anyway. But but the the char- the human characters felt like they actually mattered to that story, whereas this this one is much more of like desperately grasping for human characters that matter. When we're all just like, bro, just show us the just show us the Godzilla. That's what we're all that's what we're all here for. So it's a weird. I kind of want. It's weird to criticize this movie for not getting right what the other movie got right, despite the fact that it's it's going for exactly that. There's some execution parts of it that are uh, problematic, but it also just it 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 really leans into the development of of these characters, and we don't really care about that. We just right, we just want them. At best, we want the human characters to be the B or the C story. We don't want them sharing the title card you know that with the the top billing um with godzilla and mothra and all the rest of these giant creatures that are that are gonna fight so i was really excited about this movie i hate i was bummed by the the reception going in i had to see this late um i just thought i just saw it this morning instead of being able to see it over the weekend because of some work stuff and i i typically a movie like this, I'd rather see on Thursday or Friday, so I can kind of get in before all of the, before the, you know, I, not that I ever read a review, but before the the noise 
around a movie starts to to really take off. Um, and I couldn't. So I was pretty bummed about the the Rotten Tomato score and just the general consensus. The the wasn't very popular. I mean, it won the weekend, but it made I think half of what the 2014 movie made. So it's just kind of a bummer on that front. Um, but Ken, I'm with you, man. Like I, there are real legitimate criticisms with this and they make me angry cause they feel like the type of, uh, potholes and issues that should be very easily avoided. And yet we see it happen over and over again. It's just, there's too much, too much exposition. There's too much focus on the wrong elements. There's way, way, way too much crammed into one movie. Um, and it feels beholden to the idea of like, well, we got to get to Kong versus Godzilla and we have to do that now. Whereas I think this whole, I think this movie would be better served by taking a breath because there's enough, there's enough different things happening in this movie to basically make two movies out of it. If we weren't just on a, we've got to get to, to Kong versus, uh, versus Godzilla by 2020. And so it's just kind of frustrating on that front. So there's a lot of things that, that bum me out and make me, make me angry about the way that it's all come down. But at the end of the day, I really enjoyed Godzilla fighting other monsters and it's, a, and the set pieces look cool and the, the animations and the graphics and all the work, the, the FX work that's done is absolutely stunning. And there's a few times where it gets Michael Bay and is, way overblown and too much and some of the color contrast is difficult but gosh it was fun watching godzilla wreck shop and i like this i like this version of godzilla that is um uh, at least on paper is friendly to has personality and stuff yeah mm-hmm. it has some personality and he's cool mm-hmm. and he's uh he's he's rootable instead of just big monster fight other big monster you know and i so I think they've done some things really well with this franchise and, and continue to do that in this movie. I, I wish that we could have avoided some of the foolishness that just seems so easily avoidable, um, but movies fall for it all over and over again. So uh, Batman Shane, Mothra Shane, excuse me. I, <laughs> I have no clue what your background is on, on the Godzilla movies, so I'm, I'm pumped for that. So what, what, what's your background and, and what were your uh, general, general thoughts on this one? Yeah, you know, look, my background on Godzilla is pretty small. I mean, I I have seen the original 1956 Japanese film, and then, of course, the corresponding American version of that film. I've seen the 98, and then I saw the 2014, and and I've, you know, I like the 2014 movie. Um, But I I will say, I was was a little, there was a lot going on in this movie, and I don't necessarily mean that in, like, the best way possible – I kind of felt a lot of this was overwhelming. I I mm-hmm. felt like to me this felt like if you walked into Avengers Endgame and and you'd never seen another Marvel movie, like I felt like there were a bunch of moments in this film that were kind of set up for like you were supposed to know the mythology behind who these characters were and and if you did great, it makes it all the more enjoyable, but I spent so much time thinking to myself, okay, now which one which one was this guy again? All right, so you've got the bug guy, and I think he's a good one. You know what I mean? It was like I was just kind of – but there was a lot going on in this movie, and sometimes it was enjoyable. I definitely did enjoy, like, the monster fighting for sure. But I do I, – I think that, like, a lot of the – not that I need a good human element, but I do need the human element to – like, the plot to at least kind of make sense and to mm-hmm. get rid of like any like extraneous characters which i felt like there was a ton of those in this movie like Sally Hawkins had nothing to do uh Ken Watanabe basically had like two lines and then like 
I think we are all in agreement. It's like Bradley Whitford is awesome. What was he doing in this movie? Like he yeah, was just kind of the totally. comedic relief. Same with uh, uh, Ice Cube Jr. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I, apologies, yeah. I don't remember his name, but like that's his name. Just, that's his legal name, I think. Yeah, but it's just like <laughs> you know, we could have easily cut that character out of the movie, saved a little screen time. Yeah. Like I like there were definitely parts of this movie that I enjoyed, but I did kind of feel like. There was, it was just, there was a lot going on and I, I felt more kind of like just being dragged along a little bit confused more than leaning into like, oh, this is awesome. Does that make sense at all? Yeah, totally. No, yeah. I totally <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the, the human element doesn't necessarily have to be great, but it needs to not slow things down as much as it does here. It definitely slows things down. There's way too many characters. You're dead on with that. I think this should have been basically Millie Bobby Brown and her mom uh, and and then Kyle Chandler's her dad. And then you've got Ken Watanabe and Sally Hawkins to tie it back mm-hmm. to Monarch and the original right. movie. And that's pretty much all you need. Um, and, yeah, they went they went a couple steps beyond that. Um uh, the only thing that I think you really need to know going in is who Monarch is, what it's about. But to to Brian's point earlier, this was so expositiony. Like they treat it like almost like um, those movies don't exist at all. I mean, it's one file scene after another, after one screen after another, showing here's this monster, here's where it's gonna go, here's what we have to do. Um, it's very complex. And and overstuffed from that standpoint in terms of, um, okay, first we have to do this, and then now hopefully Mothra doesn't kill them, but if it does, then we have to go here, and if that happens, then we got to get the radiation to here, and it's so convoluted, um, and it doesn't really have to be because I think most people going into this really just wanted, okay, let's see Godzilla return somehow. And then Ghidorah, you know, wakes up. But we don't need this. I mean, the science of it, you got to you got to be able to suspend your disbelief again, like I said earlier. But the science of it, it just complicates things. You don't even need you don't need Mm -hmm. the. uh, And then this is not spoilery at all, but uh, you don't need the device that to talk to Godzilla and to talk to all the. All the uh, kaiju and everything, the the titans or whatever they're called, you don't that that just like is so eye rolly every time they pull that out, and it, it's the MacGuffin that drives this the plot. But um, I mean, it was pretty bad when when Eleven like plugs it into Fenway Park and they're like, <laughs> uh, this is kind of <laughs> spoilery. Um, so if you haven't seen it, and I mean. Let's just say. Do we, do we want to just Godzilla, say? Yeah, Godzilla is the king <laughs> yeah. of the monsters, guys. Believe it or not, right? That's that's Weird. the spoiler. Weird. Um, well, Eleven like plugs it into Fenway Park, the uh, a little frequency thing to mimic Godzilla's voice, right? And it's like all the kaiju attacks are ceasing around the world. It's like, wow, that speaker system at uh, Fenway must be really powerful. If <laughs> in, in South China, they're they're stopping right. the uh, attack right. because well, of the. <laughs> well, and this is, and that's kind of the thing that I'm talking about. Where, you know, again, I, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that like nitpicks everything to death because I'm usually mm. not. But there were so many of those types of things 
that it just kind of just started to get annoying. With that specifically, Kent, like the first time you see the device, it's not plugged into anything, right? She just sets it down on a little walkway to use it. And maybe it's connected to some speakers in that laboratory. It's like, it's like a briefcase, basically. Yeah. Right? But then the next time you see it, it's she's got to plug it into Fenway Park speaker system. And then the next time it's used, they're hanging out the back of an airplane, and she's just holding it in her hands. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Does this thing need speakers or not? Like, it, it's just kind of that little, you know. Or, like, did anybody else have a hard time keeping up with, like, where everybody was? Like, I just felt like so many of the crews, it was like... Wait a minute. Last scene, we were in a submarine, and now we're in a plane. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, yeah. oh no! I guess wait. Now we're in a helicopter. Like I was just. Yeah. I don't see how they could so survive all this stuff. Like, let's just be real about that. That's one of the main things. Like, how in God's name are they surviving all of these buildings just falling down? And there's these four people that are just standing there watching everything and being totally, totally good. absolutely ridiculous. Well, did, the only people that you notice? see the entire movie are these, these characters that were falling. Like everybody else is dead. Long dead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had like, they had like one scene of showing like one city getting abandoned. And I guess you're supposed to, yeah. But did anybody else notice that like multiple times throughout this movie, at least three or four times, there was a scene where somebody was just like three feet outside of the radius of like a nuclear blast or yeah, like an explosion. Yeah. It was like, you get one of those per movie, man, not four, which I think is how many were in this <laughs> film. Like it just, there were so many of those little moments that it just kind of did. It just started to get a little tedious for me. I do feel like objectively we need to touch on some of those lines of dialogue were really, really bad and really clunky. And you know, all of the people in this movie are very talented actors uh, and actresses, but there were some lines that like Vera Farmiga had and, and, Ken Watanabe had that it was just like oof boy like that that came off really rigid and it wasn't their fault it was just the dialogue of like ugh yuck that was terrible did anybody else feel that way or oh yeah yeah there's a lot of terrible dialogue in this like the script you know I always say with this kind of thing um, you know just keep my brain from activating too much to where I start don't give me a reason to start asking these questions and this was this was one where. Uh, I was constantly telling, like actively telling my brain, don't, don't start, don't start poking the holes, don't start looking into this because they really made it, and they really made it difficult to not go down that road, you know, it was just a, and a big part of it was the dialogue. It's just a, it's, it's, it's not a terrible script in the story standpoint. It's, it's the development. It's the fleshing out of that whatever that the sure. the treatment for this probably is pretty good and interesting and easy to pitch and all that sort of stuff it's it's the the going where they went from there is is pretty rough and you're right uh you're right Shane like they I love Kyle Chandler he's one of my favorite actors I love Vera Farmiga she's one of my favorite actresses I think Millie Joe Millie uh Bobby Brown has been outstanding in Stranger Things and I think she's got a, a great amount of talent and that's not even to, to consider uh, Ken Watanabe and Bradley Whitford and Sally Hawkins and Charles Dance and all these people that I really like and then also Thomas Middleditch and they all have a lot to carry and it just it you just kind of got the impression that <laughs> that a scene in that Kyle Chandler's reading his lines and, and delivering them as best he can and then the scene ends and he's just kind of looking around the room like what are we doing here guys? Like, this is crap. This is, this is really bad stuff that we're all having to try to, to deliver here. And I I don't know. I give them all credit for 
taking on the task and kind of doing yeoman's work because it's just not it's not a good script and it is i think it would be easier to accept the weakness of the dialogue and and some of the plotting if you you cut out half of the characters and half of half of the plotting make this movie 9500 minutes you know and take the I, at least truthfully you could take either side of of all the story that is happening here and and cut it down into its own movie or cut it out entirely and just kind of streamline this thing and i think that would make it easier too for us all to get invested in the character since that's something that that the movie desperately wants us to do to care about the characters to care about these familial bonds and all this sort of stuff it'd be a lot easier to do if i wasn't having to deal with not just too many characters but also um well now we gotta so we've we've unearthed all these these titans that have been sleeping forever we also have to explore the uh, mythology of Godzilla. We have to. We're in spoilers, right? Spoilers, yeah. spoilers, spoilers. We got. We got to really delve into the mythology of Godzilla, which is interesting. I'm. I'm. I'm okay with that. That's cool. I don't know that we have time for it in this movie. Um, we also need to find out that the um, the Hydra. I'm sorry, I don't know what the name of the the Hydra monster is. If anybody can the G- Ghidorah. Yeah, Ghidorah. There we go. There um, we go. We got to find out that it's an alien, not not even of this earth. We got to get into that a little bit. We got to delve down through this vortex through the middle of the earth to get to Godzilla's home. It's just it's Atlantis. A lot. It looks like too. Yeah, it's it basically it's Atlantis, and and so there's there's too many things happening there. That's it's it that starts to feel like Spider Man three. You know, we're just like cramming villains in well it's the same thing with story and it's the same thing with with extra characters and it all the script could be this bad shane i think i think the script could be just as bad as it is the dialogue could be just as bad as it is if it was scaled back by 30 percent and streamlined a little bit it's not that we wouldn't notice it but we'd be it would be easier to bypass it and just kind of let it be because we're much closer to the times where Godzilla fights Rodan, you know? And totally. And that's and maybe easier. and maybe just kind of a stripping down of the mythology to kind of like make mm-hmm. it a little bit more mm-hmm. simple, right? Like I mean, think about like like take for example Pacific Rim. The 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 premise of Pacific Rim is Monsters show up out of nowhere. We build robots to fight them. That's literally the plot of that movie in in a right. sentence, right? This movie, it's like okay, so let's go back to 1954 when the time, mm-hmm. and it's like then mm-hmm. we got to go through mythology. And there was you're right, Brian. There was so much stuff going on, and I think that's exactly what happened for me. Is I started to let the cracks get to me early, sure, in terms of like, uh, oop, and then it just kind of piled on worse and worse and worse. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I like, did anybody else notice, like, again, I'm not, I'm not just trying to nitpick things here, but like the scene where Godzilla comes up out of the ocean, as he's coming up out of the ocean, it sets off like a whirlpool that looks like it's a mile wide and right. he comes up right out of the sub. And then when he turns around and leaves, he splashes down yeah. and it, it barely, it like splashes Kyle Chandler, essentially like he was at a Shamu exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> and it was like, right. it That's feels like that should be a tidal too. wave. He, when he goes yeah. in the water, it like barely makes a ripple. It's like a, I don't know. Mm. It's like, to me, I, 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 I take it like an alligator going into the water or something like it's his natural home and it knows like it's being stealth about it, I guess. I don't know. Sure. That's my, sure. 
that's how I interpret sure. it. Cause that last shot in 2014, is it going in the water and the water's like still like, as soon as it goes under, mm-hmm. it's like kind of mm-hmm. weird, yeah. you know, like creepy, like yeah. Loch Ness monster, like style. I don't know. Sure. But, right. Yeah. Sure. I'm not, yeah, it's not I, to it, say that that's any excuse, no, but that's, that's kind of probably why I didn't think I, of it as that way. Right. No, no. And like I said, it's not, it's honestly, it's not these little nitpicks that just, it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, you can enjoy the movie. If this, that it's just, it, there ended up being so many of them yeah. for me that it just kind of, it felt like it had kind of like a snowball effect. Right. Uh, and it, it starts to feel lazy too. That's, that's for me, yes, it's kind of yes. problematic when you, when the, the movie focuses so much on the science and the mythology and the background. So the, clearly there's a lot of thought that's gone into it, but, when you do that, you also think I, I, I think you're I think you're almost kind of required to then get these kind of small minor details right that honestly I don't care about. I really don't care about and I never do. I very rarely walk out of a movie like this and nitpick what at least for me, uh, uh, nitpick what what's happening because it's a movie and I can accept that like, hey, <laughs> you know, in this movie about a giant lizard that fights a a giant three-headed dragon there's gonna be some weird stuff that doesn't actually make sense because it's a freaking movie about a giant lizard fighting a three-headed dragon so it's fine but it starts after a while you're right shane like it kind of piles up into a a lot of well why didn't y'all just fix that why didn't y'all just do that just a tiny bit better because it would be so much easier It, it just seems like there there wasn't a lot of attention to details and that's right that's not unique by any means to Godzilla King of Monsters that happens with a lot of movies. There are right. a lot of movies that we see that we walk out being like I mean it could have been 10% better just by effort, you know, yeah. just by not being lazy about stuff. Um and that's that but that it just it plays in a lot into this one and it feels that feels like a a big step down from from 2014. Not to say there's not plenty of stuff in the Godzilla 2014 movie that uh, that that don't make sense and that don't don't pass the the you know real inspection close inspection or something, but they it wasn't lazy and there was a lot of attention to detail and it never felt like we're gonna just get so deep in the weeds of trying to tell this big huge story that we kind of forget that the details do matter some and that that that's that feels like a step back maybe ten steps backward from from 2014. Yeah, it, it, you can definitely. I agree with you, Brian. It, that's when you know a script is starting to get lazy. Is when characters start doing and saying things not because that's what they would actually or regularly do. It's because we, we need the plot to get them to X and X point. Sure, so they just have sure. to start doing stuff to get there, and it doesn't feel natural. And it, and you're right; it just feels lazy and sloppy at a certain point. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. There's a plot line here that. Uh, I don't know how I feel about it. I wanted to get y'all's thoughts on the mass extinction of humanity thing of that's why the Titans, that's why the Titans (laughs) have come back is it's earth way of saying humanity is destroying the earth and the Titans are going to destroy humans so that, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it earth will survive basically. Um, yeah. Well, that felt, that feels like the happening, you know, that's the, the go-to comparison there of, <laughs> why are people dying yeah. out of nowhere? Well, it's because the earth wants us dead, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's mm-hmm. really, that's that movie. Um, what did you guys think about that? Um, and I see what they were doing of, like, 
we need uh, some reason for this all to be happening. Um, and uh, but yeah, it's a cliche at this point for sure. Yeah. Yes, hundred percent. I need a I need a five year timeout on that concept. In 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 post in a post Infinity War slash in game world, I need a timeout on uh, big scale blockbusters like this where yeah. the main antagonist's agenda is just we have to uh, humans are destroying the earth so we need to um we need to eradicate the earth of humans or strip strip human existence back down to the stone age or whatever it's it's very tired to me at this point that was a massive eye roll for me when and not to mention the scene again not because of Vera Farmiga at all, but that the whole sequence where she's on the the uh, the Skype with them, and <laughs> yeah, we we had to talk about her. her. <laughs> yeah, laying out her dastardly plan, and it's. I, I mean, thought that was a bit. I thought they were going to be like oh, she was so going to be like psych. Yeah. I'm just yeah. kidding. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was, it was she not, man, she had well so many like slides and video like clips ready to <laughs> right, go right. on that impromptu Skype chat on point. Yeah. yeah. I that was I, I ended up laughing out loud at that point because she's talking about at one point she's talking about how humans have polluted the earth and then mm-hmm. it just cuts to a shot of a polluted beach and it was like, Ah yes, I've forgotten what pollution looks like. I'm so glad that, you know, we were able to <laughs> cut right, in a picture right. of what trash yeah. looks like. Ah yes, yeah. I remember now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, the the nuking of the uh animals has nothing bad to do with right. the uh with the uh, society, uh, you know, downfall of the <laughs> yeah. earth, but right, she's right. throwing nukes around like, like nobody. Um, this will be fine. Yeah. yeah. What did you guys think about like super mega Godzilla in this? Of you know, basically feeding him nukes to power him up, and then uh, later on in the movie, uh, Godzilla basically gets charged up by like a volcano, and yeah. I put in my notes I have it written as Hotzilla. <laughs> Uh, it's where he's just like basically um made of lava you know and he's like breathing fire mixed with the atomic breath kind of thing um i liked that uh i liked basically all that stuff i don't i don't know if i liked the where it's platelets are like lighting up and all that stuff i didn't really like that but i liked where he he got like uh i don't know you could see in between the scales you could see like heat you know what i'm saying uh that part oh, yeah. later in the movie. That was a really cool effect. Yeah. And uh, kind of emulating what the Rodan effect was of the Firebird. Um, I liked that. There was a point of the movie in the third act in the big climactic battle where it's Godzilla against Ghidorah. And then here comes, uh, I guess, Rodan. And then Rodan starts to come in. And then, like, Mothra flies in out of nowhere. You know, it's like yeah. – And at one point I was like, okay, this is pretty fun, you know? Like I was having a really good time with it, um, for the most part throughout. I I can say, but yeah. uh, I would Same. say, I don't know, one out of every five, you know, minutes or so, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> and then you know, yeah. I, I would go on for five more minutes and be like, oh, oh okay, oh okay. This every time, is, you know. every time Bradley Whitford had a zinger, yeah, you were that, like, oh, all right, yeah. that. That, that character was, you know, Zhang Ziyi was in this too. That's another character that was uh, mm-hmm. kind of ancillary that you kind of probably you know, combined to, into another character. So, you know. The 
I will say this, Kent, that the, the, all the like leveling up of Godzilla with the nuclear stuff, mm-hmm. whatever, it was fine. It worked visually, but there was a small contingency of people in my theater audience. I want to say about four or five. Those people cheered so hard <laughs> at both of those things. I don't know, it was it was it was like the moment in Avengers Endgame. Spoilers if you haven't seen Endgame, but it was like the moment where Cap grabs Thor's hammer. Mm-hmm. They were cheering that loud at both of those scenes, and I thought, oh, okay, well, this must be something from other Godzilla movies that I am just unaware of. But maybe if they've done it in other Godzilla movies, and it's like, oh, cool, they brought that back. So. It sounds like, I'm going to guess, for fans of Godzilla, those were super cool moments if you knew what was going on there. Yeah, the director helming this, Mike Dougherty, and uh, interesting, just to work this back, he's the writer of X-Men and X2, which we talked about uh, earlier with our friend Ariel. Um, earlier this, uh, actually X2, you know, I should say, is uh, he wrote Superman Returns and X2. Um, X-Men United, X-Men Apocalypse, uh, wrote the story for that too. So, um, yeah, we talked about, uh, X-Men earlier and, uh, Mike Dougherty, the helmer of this is, is a big, was big involved into, into, I guess the world building of, of that. And they're hoping he can bring the same thing to the monster verse. Um, so the elephant in the room, um, by the way, um, I love the giant. There like, was an ma- elephant. Yeah, I love yeah. the I love the mammoth uh, thing. That was freaking <laughs> awesome. That like was like gave me the chills on the like creature design level of it. Like there was mm. one there was one shot of it, I guess, where it's like tusks were like knocking down a building or whatever. I just loved that as a visual. Yeah, it was cool. Um, that was really yeah. really cool. Um, but where they're going from here? How in God's name are they gonna? Is King Kong going to fight the yeah. <laughs> King Godzilla? I totally agree. So yeah. dumb. Yeah. So We're real powered I've, up at this point. <laughs> I've, I've actually, I've actually heard spoilers. That yeah, what's I want to know. I really do want to know. I've heard that they're going to fight and they're almost going to kill each other, and then they're going to stop fighting when they find out they both have a friend named Mothra. Uh, <laughs> Mothra. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, leave it to Piss Jar Cinematic Universe Shane to. <laughs> make that joke um i saw a size comparison chart and the godzilla from this movie is literally like 10 times the size of king kong from kong skull (laughs) island from this universe so i don't know like you would have thought they would have established that even closer it's like well we need to make our king kong this size and godzilla needs to be this size so that when they fight it's not completely unbelievable unless they you know, some kind of technology with Monarch or with Tywin Lannister happens where they make King Kong like a giant or something. And then he, yeah. And yeah unless he becomes nuclear, I don't know how he's going to defeat right. Godzilla. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm, with that, I'm with, with you. It does kind of feel like Vern Troyer's about to box Shaq. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> Too soon, Jane. Gosh. <laughs> Shout out to Celebrity Deathmatch. Um, but that, the, yeah, dude, like, I don't, and and with that post-credit scene, you know they're just going to end up teaming up to fight the Hydra Dragon. Yeah, the again. Mecha so Ghidorah, it's, yeah. It's, you know, it, it feels, 
I'll watch it because, again, I really loved all the parts of this movie that were just Godzilla fighting other creatures. So I'll totally watch it, but it doesn't feel like a fair fight. It, it's unless unless King Kong is like immune to Godzilla breath or something. I don't. It just doesn't really strike me as a super interesting matchup. Other than we're gonna be like, man, that was fun to watch. It's kind of dumb, but it was fun to watch. It just seems like an odd. It's an odd thing to be kind of the the focal point of your of your monster universe given what we know about Godzilla now and given what we know about um Kong in that that Skull Island movie that I totally forgot was a thing until this movie <laughs> started talking about it again so I've watched that too a couple of times uh I think these really do well at uh knowing at being totally consistent and knowing that they're not going for Oscar worthy here in terms of the story, but uh, they can approach these, the effects in a way that grounds this reality. And I feel like these have been grounded in reality and, and to your point earlier, Brian of what made the 2014 one so unique was the fact that they put Godzilla in such a real world scenario, you know, like at an airport mm-hmm. and, through a neighborhood and things like that that make it so unique. But I agree on the fact of we don't need explanations for everything. Like, why can't this all be happening? Because, you know, the Brian Cranston people screwed up at that, at that experiment and woke up that, that Kaiju Mm -hmm. that woke up Godzilla. And there was this chain reaction effect, you know, that's basically what they tried to tell us. But now they're telling us it's because global warming, basically you know so, yeah so yeah. it's a little well yeah totally and the the flip on vera formiga's character when she when you find yeah. out that she's actually in on it it was cool but that happens like 12 minutes into the movie and we haven't had any that to me felt like that should have been the end of this movie and the third movie should have been the awakening of all these extra creatures and stuff like that was a really cool thing that felt like kind of a pulled punch just because it happened so early in the movie that then this movie is about that. That would have made a great cliffhanger or post credit scene or something where you figure out that she's in on she's in on this whole thing. That would have been awesome. But it 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 feels like a pulled punch on the plot point and like a over heavy use swing on the like just massive <laughs> they they like they used up everything they had on awakening 17 monsters and stuff in in one movie it just it just seems like it's not a very efficient use of of monsters to me and then to set up you know gotta go fight the giant ape that is had some trouble with with some soldiers you know yeah just it's an odd i don't know it just it just seems like a that that is kind of a waste of 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 some cool stuff that could have been done a lot better, a lot tighter. But we got to get to 2020. You know, we got to get to Kong versus Godzilla. That's got to happen now. Well, it's so, already happened. Uh, it's in post production right. right now. Right. right. It comes yeah. out in March of 2020. So less than a year from now, we'll be talking Jeez. about God uh, versus King. They're calling it or Godzilla versus Kong. And um, that's Adam Wingard of Your Next um, Fame. I actually have recommended that on the show before. Horror movie director is at the helm for that one. And uh, so we'll see if they can end on a high notes with that trilogy. But um, I don't know why they had to play the play 
every like Ghidorah and Mothra and all these yes f- these yes, creatures totally. in, in this much. movie. Why? Yeah. Right. Why? If you're trying to build the universe, why don't you, you do Godzilla two? And oh, okay, well something's happened. Maybe you bring one of them back. Um, and or some guy is trying to kill Godzilla, but we need to keep him alive because X, and that's the plot, or something like that. Right. And then you get to King Kong or or Skull Island. Something's happened, and, and you bring Skull. You need to bring Skull Island into the picture more. Okay, I understand that. Why why won't you? Why can't you do King Kong versus Ghidorah as a movie of its own? Why well, now that you know, now nobody's going to anticipate that because they've seen it, or you do Mecha well, and Ghidorah, or I don't know. Yeah, but but if I may, just to jump in, I, I, just to play devil's advocate, I think the reason why they don't do that uh, is just because these movies are so expensive to make that I think they kind of figure, you know, we might only get one shot at this, so let's put every monster in the movie just in case. Um, because, you know, in case this movie tanks, we can't just leave the story kind of cliff-ended or whatever. So I think their thought mm-hmm. process was we can't, you know, we can't make six of these because they cost $200 million a piece to make. So let's just put everything we can in each movie, which is definitely, you know, there are pluses and minuses to that, but it does make every movie feel like a Hail Mary, you know? Sure. Yeah. Sure. I would, um, I would look at it as a, hey, screenwriter, every guy you add to this adds $50 million to the budget. So chill out <laughs> with this third act, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Let's like, this down a little bit. If you, it up. It, I was reading a book the other day. I can't remember what it was, but, uh, they were talking about, um, all these characters coming together in the third act. And that's what they told him at the end was, um, Hey, you, yeah, you literally can't do this because we can't afford it. Like it sounds great in theory, but, mm-hmm. You, can't, you just can't afford all these characters to come come together because of the budget. I mean, you got to pay all these people, and, and with animation, it's kind of the same. So I'm just wondering about how the believability of Godzilla versus Kong is. Um, I'm stretching my ape versus dinosaur is just this is tough. Even though with this Kong, who is is not uh, the Peter Jackson King Kong at all, he's much bigger and. Mm-hmm. More Bigfoot like than gorilla like, but um, but yeah, yeah. Maybe you've maybe you've got a point, and maybe they're gonna you know do some monarch magic and and you know use some atomic ray and mm-hmm. blast them up to you know a, a two thirds of the size of King Kong or, or up to Godzilla or something. Maybe. You know, um, yeah. And these are made by Legendary as well, um, which man. How is this not going to cross over with Pacific Rim at some point? Because, like, I, I would love for Godzilla versus versus Pacific Rim, uh, and you know, bring the bring the Jaegers into this world, the Kaiju, the Jaegers, Godzilla, Kong. It's all one thing. It's the same studio, is what I'm saying. So, why, I don't understand why that's not in the in the cards, or at least been hinted at more in this universe of. Um, and the, I think the Jaegers exist in the future, right? So maybe that's where they're going. But uh, yeah, to me, that makes sense on, you know, where is this going to be 10 years from now? I can see that being a real, very real possibility. If they can uh, they can keep Pacific Rim alive, I think that'd be an easy way to do it. Just cross mm. these over. Yeah, I'm in for that. I'll I'll buy a ticket. I'll be there opening day. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Um, all right. Any anything else you guys got on notes for? Um, oh, one thing else I had a lot of overshirts in this one. Too many overshirts. <laughs> it's a disaster movie, guys. It's raining. Right. You got nobody. No, stop. <laughs> um, that's it. That's really all I got in my notes. But um, less yeah. overshirts. Good less, to know. Less overshirts. Wardrobe. That's that's wardrobe stylists. They can't resist the overshirt. I've noticed that. It's like, all right, we're gonna give you a t-shirt now. We gotta accessorize the t-shirt with, and it's this lady, and she's like really hip to what kids wear nowadays, you know. And she's like, everyone's wearing flannels over their tees. We're gonna do that, um, but it's never the case. Less overshirts. That's the, on the Kent Garrison uh, list of complaints. It's always file scene <laughs> overshirts. This one, ooh. a lot of <laughs> negatives on that. A lot. Of, but, you're, uh, you're literally launching a spinoff podcast called Mad About uh, Overshirts, oh. and it's literally you're just <laughs> mad about them. <laughs> uh, it's already taken. I've already tried. Yeah, there's already a thing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I added a point for every. Uh, time a monster punched a monster so there were a lot of points added for, for that <laughs> so we're good we're in the clear but um yeah anything else you guys have before we grade this one out no i'm good yeah i mean i kind of feel like i said my piece on it all right great um all right so i don't know what i graded graded godzilla um but um or what i graded kong school island i don't remember but um, given the fact that I'll probably rewatch this one multiple times, um, and uh, it was about what I expected, I'll give this one a B. B for King of the Monsters. What about you, Brian? Yeah, I'm right there with you. The first one for me was like an A minus, maybe even a low A. Uh, if I went back and listened to that episode, I know we have spent much of this episode saying the things that are that are kind of annoying or wrong and stuff. But I I would. Hope that the listeners take that more as a why wow, we wish this was better because the parts that are good are really good and they're fun and it's I enjoyed pretty much every scene that involved Godzilla fighting a monster. That was a that was a blast. I like supercharged Godzilla. I like I love the the creature design on pretty much all these creatures and, and Godzilla especially. There's just a lot of scripting and exposition errors and stuff like that that uh that should should have been easily i think easily uh avoided but i'm i'm with you it's a b and i'm i'll i'll watch it i'll watch it several more times i hope that the i will say it may hinge for me my enjoyment of this trilogy maybe quadrilogy or whatever ends up happening with it may hinge on what do we do with with kong versus godzilla if 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 it turns out more in this realm or the the kong skull island realm versus the the first godzilla 2014 movie then i'll be i'll feel like this was um a little bit of a of a wasted opportunity yeah it just started off so well but but for now it's it's a b and it's fine and it's fun and i'll watch it again i'm sure plenty of times and and uh i'm i will have some uh level of of anticipation for for next year's finale to this whole thing so shane what about you I would give this movie a solid C. 
Uh, I think that the monster stuff is is super enjoyable. I mean, when they actually get down to the nitty gritty of fighting, it's you know it's well done and it's enjoyable to watch. But there was just a lot of clunky stuff that just needed to be cleaned up and stripped out of this movie for it to kind of run smoother. So I can't really, in good faith, give it a B, but a solid C. It's not it's not a waste of time. We should mention a little bit of the uh, box office of this. It won the weekend with uh, fifty million dollars. However, that w- that is the lowest of the series so far. Um, Godzilla uh, made ninety million. Um, Kong Skull Island made sixty, and this one made fifty. So, um, not what you want if you're trying to build something is uh, be worse every time out. So, hopefully, maybe uh, they can build something positively to Kong, and uh, they can bring. Tom Hiddleston back or something to, to get some people butts and seats. I don't know what they got to do, but uh, it looks it looks largely like it's the same cast as as this for Kong versus uh, Godzilla. Kyle Chandler, Millie Bobby Brown, Alexander Skarsgård, uh, Denai Guerra, and uh, no no Brie Larson. She's not in this. Zhang Z. No, no okay. Brie Larson. Um, surprise, surprise contender in that one had uh, the best, Godzilla versus... That one had the best uh, <laughs> cast, for sure. The Kong Squall Island of all these. Yeah. Um, yeah. John Goodman, Samuel L. Jackson was in that one, too. Um, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah. John C. Riley. Yep. Um, okay. Uh, let's go ahead and move on and hit that Weekly Recommend. Weekly Recommend. All right, Rodan Shane, what you got? So I'm going to make a weekly recommend. It's a little pre-advance weekly recommend, uh, but it is a recommend for a new album, a new record that is coming out from a band that is called the Black Keys. If you've never heard of them, they're a rock band from Akron, Ohio. Sexy. Uh, They have not, their last record was put out in 2014. They have not released any new music uh, since then, but they have a new record that comes out at the end of June called Let's Rock and there are three songs from the record that are out there already and they are all straight up jams so I cannot wait for the new record it's going to be fantastic Um, and one of the songs on the record I think the single it's called Go and the video is on YouTube and if you haven't seen it it's really really funny Uh, and the song is great so that's my recommend the Black Keys new record it's called Let's Rock Let's Rock today but it's not end of June whenever it is I'm pumped. I am pumped. Yeah. Last record was kind of, was good. Was good, but not not up to the standard that I expect from my Yeah, Black Keys it was oh, I think that I'm last record was produced by Danger Mouse, Kent. I'm sure you would know more yeah. about it than I would, but it had a more like funkadelic vibe than kind of straight up rock and roll. So, I'm with you, Brian. I think I like some of their older stuff a little better than the last record, but you know, they're still good. Very good. Pumped. Very good. Pumped. What yeah. you got, Brian? I'm going to recommend a, another podcast. Somebody once told me the best way to, and I'll, I'll share this bit of knowledge, and maybe uh, the maybe the listener will will take this in stride and, and do this moving forward. The best way to recommend a new podcast is to recommend an episode of a podcast. So if you've enjoyed an episode of this show in particular, and you want to spread the word to uh, 
your friends and family that do not listen to our show, I would always tell you to um, to recommend a specific episode. Say, go check out Mad About Movies and listen to the whatever episode, whatever it was that jumped out at you as one that was particularly funny or insightful or whatever. So I'll do that with this one. I, I've recommended this since this show in the past. It's Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. He just released an episode last week, maybe the week before, with... American treasure comedy legend Bob Newhart and it is one of the best hours of entertainment that I've I've had over the last uh, couple of years it's it is a Newhart is a great interview Conan is can be a great interviewer and their their back and forth was absolutely magnificent I know that's something that um Richard Richard and I and I believe you can as well are are always fascinated by and interested in is the um the kind of the art of comedy and what makes things funny and or not funny and and how all that stuff works and newhart is literally a living legend and he um has had such a huge impact on comedic stylings of a lot of people that you probably are that are more uh relevant or younger or new or whatever um he's he's been huge and influential in that and he had a couple of the funniest jokes that i have ever heard um that he just killed conan with and uh, as well as uh, the other the other people in the room he just crushed in this episode so check this out it's it's conan o'brien needs a friend and specifically i'll tell you to listen to the bob newhart episode and uh, i i can't imagine that that anybody would be would be disappointed with it. It is a it is a perfect hour of uh, of entertainment. I think. Nice. I'll have to check that out. You mean American Treasure Bob Newhart and American Treasure Conan O'Brien. That's right. Man. Double A T. Yes. It's Brian, so funny, Ken. You've got to check it out, man. You I'm I'm uh, I'm just glad Newhart knows what a podcast is. Or <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. He's he's ninety and he's. He's still he's still sharp as a tack. I'm serious. Yeah, he's, he, he's, he's still funnier than anybody you yes, know personally. He's he's magnificent. And I know like I imagine that I know that podcast listening skews young, so I imagine there's plenty of people who are like, Bob Newhart, this old dude, like there's no way. I'm promised his his comedic stylings are so influential on what is popular now or what has become popular over the last twenty and thirty years, and he still is uh, a god of comedy i'm i'm always impressed by i'm most interested i should say in the comedians who make other comedians laugh who just kill other comedians it's one of the things that that i love about martin short is that it's just how pumped anyone who consider who is a comedian or considers himself funny is just so excited to be in the presence of martin short because he just he kills other funny people and newhart is the same way it's just a it is a laugh riot. You can put the five you know in a room with Newhart, and he will be the funniest to all of them. And it's it's just he's magnificent. So anyway, check that out. I, I think I think uh, everybody would be would be uh, very interested in, in in that hour of uh, podcasting. Awesome, very cool. Which I, guy can't? I'm going to recommend a um, a Netflix series interview. Um, David Letterman shows back for a season two and it's called my next guest needs no introduction with David Letterman. But, um, it, in my opinion, season one was a disappointment just kind of with how they put the show together. Um, they were really trying for something different with a talk show, you know, that, that it was something different than the late show and what people would expect for David Letterman. 
um, in terms of how it was produced. Um, you know, something similar happened with uh, with Seth Meyers uh, when he first went to the late night scene after leaving SNL. He was doing a monologue at the beginning, standing there and doing a traditional late night thing. And now you watch uh, Seth Meyers' show on NBC, and it's just like, this is late night with Seth Meyers. And then it's him sitting at his desk and he does basically weekend update. And, you know, when he was asked about that, Seth said, you know, at first we were just so hesitant to lean in to what we were good at because we wanted to do something different because we had just come from something, you know, traditional. Um, so I can tell that the, the, uh, Letterman people have, taking a step back in, in the off season and for season two, they really evaluated how they were cutting these interviews together. I mean, the first season it was so distracting how they were cut together. I mean, the Barack Obama interview was just destroyed. I thought by the editing and just cutting to the audience for no reason, you know, like cutting to Dave for a reaction when he's just not reacting. It's just him staring at, you know, president Obama, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. This one is just much more straightforward way better done, uh, much more interesting that way, you know, just don't over, sometimes you just can't overthink these types of shows, you know, where it's just two people talking, which is really what they, they were doing. The first season was overthinking it. And, uh, this one, this season's way better. So if you weren't a fan of this season, the first, uh, season of the Letterman show, um, this one's way, way more up my alley and, and more watchable. Um, I've watched the, uh, the first two with one with Kanye and one with Ellen, uh, and they were both stellar. Uh, the Ellen one, especially, was was very very good. If you're um, if you want to know more about where Ellen came from and her background, and and they, it, let's just say they never they never able to get uh, as as in depth on on the late show, you know, because you you got seven minutes with somebody, and that's just if you're the A guest, if you're the B guest, right. you've got three and a half minutes. Uh, so, you know. <laughs> This is him and talking to somebody for an hour, so you obviously get to to know somebody a lot more. And and just what you're talking about, Brian, with with Conan's podcast mm-hmm. of you know these people that we've grown up watching on TV, they're stuck to that medium of TV, and once they're able to break out of that medium into something like podcasting, that's just completely free of format. You know, really, you can do whatever you want. You can talk about whatever you want. It really frees up these personalities that we love to really showcase their personality and i'm just thankful yeah. that we have you know podcasts and people that we love doing podcasts that's it's greatness and uh and to me that's this is that's letterman's version of doing a pod his podcast sure. is, uh, is that sure. you know so he gave us right. about seven hours and and something they did this time i believe is they released them all at once and last time i think they released them once a week or something like that or something weird like that so now you can just watch the whole season and, and do that. So that's another change from season one. But uh, but yeah, my next guest with David Letterman on Netflix. Um, love me some some American treasure, David Letterman. Some of his other guests um, was Lewis Hamilton, the IndyCar driver, um, Tiffany Haddish, and Melinda Gates was uh, another one of his guests this past season. So check that out if you're if you're into that sort of thing. That's my recommend. Very cool. Well. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that's a. Sorry, I had to do that with with Richard out because I know he would he he would have recommended that, but um, he uh, he'll probably recommend it at some point. So get ready. He's he's just gonna pull a power move and re recommend it. Oh, he'll week. do it. He'll be like, <laughs> I don't care. Yeah. Um. Well, Batman Shane 
thank you for um, for pinch hitting for Richard. I know he's got better things to do, shockingly, but um, you don't. So you're here, and thank you for being here. <laughs> of course. Always glad to be here, guys. Awesome. Uh, well, Shane doesn't have Twitter or anything like that, but uh, if you want to find him on Facebook, um, check us out on uh, Mad About Movies Facebook. His name's Shane Byerly, and he's a friend of us on there. I'm sure you can find him and follow him on Facebook. Brian, where can we find you, you online? You can- you can find me on the Twitter, Beagle12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the Mad About Movies Podcast newsletter. I intend to have some kind of X-Men thing up on the on the old blog at some point this week. So uh, so check that out. Kent, what about you, man? You can find me on the Twitter and online at Kent Garrison. And uh, yeah, thanks for joining us uh, for this episode. But if you want more from us every week, check out that VIP club. Brian mentioned uh, X-Men. We're talking that at length with our friend Ariel, Geek 101. So stay tuned for that this week in the VIP. And, uh, man, it's going to be good times. Next week, I believe we are talking about... Uh, X-Men, Dark Phoenix, and then the VIP. Uh, I think next week... Secret Life of Pets, too. We need to do a... uh, Rocket Man episode at some point too. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll knock one of those out. We got exactly. several bonus episodes. That may June is a huge week. month for yeah. movies. There is a lot yeah. coming out that movie fans should be excited yeah. about in June. So be be on the lookout for if you're a VIP member, you you'll probably get some some bonus this next uh, these next few weeks. So a lot, even more reason to join. Yes, absolutely. Well, we'll see you all over there after the show. Until then, we'll see you at the cinema. Goodbye. Hey, baby, I hear the blues are calling, tossed salads and scrambled eggs. And maybe I seem a bit confused. Yeah, maybe, but I've got you pegged. <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me yeah, yeah.